T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And welcome back. Joining us is a senior national security fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. The issue at the southern border continues to get worse. Todd Benzman joins us now. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate that. So what we've seen, I think, at least from this White House, when the press secretary will take questions on what's going on in the southern border, we notice that they get very offended. They don't want to call this a crisis, even though things have escalated and have gotten a lot worse over the last couple of months. Would you look at what's going on at the southern border as a crisis? Well, I say believe your eyes, not what what they're saying. Uh, It is a major crisis. It's not even a uh, challenge or a small crisis. It's a really big and escalating crisis. Uh, We have 100,000 encounters just in the month of February, and those are uh, where Border Patrol actually logs somebody, uh, puts them in a a database. There's an estimated uh, 30 to 40,000 more who got past the Border Patrol we're looking at 130, 150,000 that came in just in February. Uh, that is um, uh, far greater than uh, came in in January, which was a very high number, 80,000 that we know of. And probably as we're here, uh, from everything I'm hearing that's going on on the border for March, uh, we're looking at a very significant number. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 150, 175. Uh, And then um, it's just going to keep going uh, higher from there in April, May, June, July, and all of those months. It's it's really an extraordinary historic event that is shaping up for the United States. I know it's not always easy to sum things up and say it's so-and-so's fault. It's this, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's one thing because it never is one thing. But do you believe that the things that we've seen so far at the start of the Biden administration has contributed to this large number that continues to grow coming in from the southern border? Well, I have to go with what the migrants actually say uh, as the reason, uh, as the reason that they give for coming now I've interviewed a great many migrants in Mexico and Guatemala and further south for the last year, year and a half. And what they tell me is that it's uh, Joe Biden and or the Democrats before it was Joe Biden promising 
uh, to outdo one another, you know, the candidates during the campaign season mm-hmm. for the Democratic nomination. Uh, we're just trying to outdo one another about who was going to be the most open and the most embracing and give the most stuff and do the most uh, welcoming uh, for the for for the um, world of aspiring illegal immigrants. They heard that. They hear that. I mean, you can't they're listening for that. The antennae are constantly up. And so they heard it and came. I mean, they're coming. They'll tell you that. If you ask any migrant why they came now, they will tell you it was Joe Biden. And so I'm going with them. Sorry. Yeah. And I'm also looking at some different stories reported based on some quotes from Nancy Pelosi on Sunday, blaming the Trump administration, saying that it was a broken system and it's inhumane. Thus, this is really Trump's fault. All of this is happening right now. If you wanted to compare the way the two different countries handled it in terms of policy and then just physically how they were handling it, one you know, building a wall, had different facilities, just the, how they would handle the inflow of it versus how we're doing it now. Is that fair for Nancy Pelosi to say this is Trump's fault, what we're in right now? Uh, that That's uh, completely divorced from any reality that I know of. Uh, nobody who's ever spent any time on the border with the migrants, uh, with Border Patrol, would ever say that uh, Trump caused what's happening right now. Uh, Trump... Trump's immigration policies, his control policies, were incredibly innovative. Uh, they got to the heart of internal human decision-making uh, among migrants, which is that you, know, you will wait in Mexico instead of waiting inside the United States for your asylum claim, because win, lose, or draw, you know as a migrant that Uh, If you're in the United States, you're staying here working illegally for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Trump understood that and uh, created this policy to say that if you lose your case, you're stuck in Mexico. And that made people go home. And it made a lot of other people not even try. Mm. Uh, And then furthermore, you had the pandemic uh, emergency border closure. We had Title 42, and anybody who came over illegally, illegally, was just immediately returned back over the Mexican side. So, if you're spending five thousand or twenty five hundred dollars or eight thousand dollars for a smuggling fee to get over the border, and you get thrown back into Mexico, that's a sunk cost that a lot of folks can't afford and won't afford. Uh, so, this gets down to basic nitty gritty economics. And Trump understood that. Uh, So when you tell the world of migrants that your smuggling fee is going to pay off with a big reward, you're going to get inside the United States after you invest your money. And the United States has gutted all of its deportation uh, activity. So you'll never be deported for the next four years anyway. Even if you commit serious crimes, you're not going to get deported. You can't really do much except commit an act of terrorism to get deported nowadays. That mm. That's a recipe for wide-open borders. That's the meat and potatoes of wide-open borders, and that's why they're coming. That's why the Dallas Convention Center is having to open up for, you know, to have children, uh, migrants stay there. They don't have anywhere to put them. There's so many. You're wow. going to see that place fill up. 
Todd uh, Benzman joining us, Senior National Security Fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies. And I wanted to try to compare the way the media has handled these two situations. And I just want to go back to the Trump administration when the media would say, look at all of the poor children in cages that are drinking from toilets. And now we fast forward to what's going on now, and they're spinning it a different way. Oh, everything's so humane now. Everything else was inhumane, but you're not allowed to go and look for yourself. And from the statistics that I'm seeing, we're busting at the seams. We just don't have the facilities to keep up with the flow that's coming in, and they're not doing much about it. And also, the media is not allowed to go and inspect these facilities and see it for themselves. And for some reason, for all the different pressures and all the different headlines that were generated during the Trump years, which, by the way, with these facilities that were created even by uh, no uh, by any standard before he was in office that were already in place. But nonetheless, now there, it, I was wondering if you noticed that the way that the media is reporting this is much different than how they reported it the last couple of years. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, look, most reporters in the United States hated Donald Trump with such a fiery passion that it infected their uh, objectivity and their ability to do their work. So you could never really um, be sure of what you were getting with border reporting or immigration reporting with with uh, Trump. It was going to be overwhelmingly negative. Everything he's done is terrible. Uh, but and by the same token, you know, now you've got a Democrat uh, letting uh, everybody in. It's humane to let people in and break the law in mass numbers, but it's inhumane to stop them. Because when you stop a family of women and children and they cry, that's inhumane. And, you know, it's just you can see it for yourself how inhumane it is in the camera lens. And that's kind of where we are with that. But you, you, um, really had a, up until just the last few days, I'd say, the media, the regular institutional corporate media, just ignoring the story completely. Uh, but finally, they have come around. I mean, I saw some reporting by CNN, uh, finally. And um, I think you'll probably see, for the most part, them try to downplay this border crisis. But mm-hmm. very soon it will be unavoidable because now you're opening up arenas and big cities and sports arenas and civic centers. And, you know, I mean, you're, you haven't seen anything yet. Uh, this thing is going to be millions and millions of people very, very soon. Wow. So with the center for immigration studies, if people wanted to read some of your work, things like that, where can they go? Well, for one thing, I've got a brand new book out called America's covert border war. And then it's about the threat of jihadist infiltration. That's on Amazon, uh, wherever books are sold. And you can go to my website, uh, cis.org, Center for Immigration Studies, and look me up there. My website is, my personal website is toddbensman.com. Perfect. And America's Covert Border War, Todd Bensman, toddbensman.com, as part of the Center for Immigration Studies. Thank you so much for coming on to KMOX tonight. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. And if you're looking at the headlines, if you're looking at the stories, if you're reading what's going on at the southern border, no, you are not uh, imagining this. They are definitely downplaying the severity of what's going on there. 
mostly because they want to be friendly to the Biden administration, I believe. So it's not something that you think is just in your mind. Oh, I, I can't believe that they're treating this. No, it's they actually are. It's it's not a mirage. We're going to take some of your calls, and I do want to talk about this 60-minute piece on Kim Gardner that ran on Sunday on CBS. Let's take a look at that. Maybe you had a chance to see it. We're going to talk about it. It's Overnight America, KMOX. St. Louis's traffic station, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Okay. Uh, you know, I wanted to mention the 60-minute piece from Kim Gardner, and I talked about it on my show last night. I do a Sunday night show, but I understand that there – it's in a lot of crossover on Sunday nights into Monday nights. So maybe you might listen to every hour of every show. Awesome for you. But I understand that not everyone does that. So I wanted to talk again about the 60-minute piece with Kim Gardner. And I wanted to point out a few things. And when 60 Minutes comes in and uh, does a piece like this, I thought they really did a poor job telling the story of the people that are really struggling in the city of St. Louis because of the crime. The crime is terrible. Like it, here's one of the headlines from KMOX.com. Worst year we've ever seen. St. Louis Children's Hospitals treated hundreds of kids with gunshot wounds in 2020. We had the highest homicides in 50 years in the city of St. Louis. Hundreds of kids shot in St. Louis, taken to St. Louis Children's Hospital. It's horrific. It's terrible. We have a major crime issue. Things aren't getting better. There's partly uh, a, a reason to say that we're not hard enough on criminals. We're not taking it seriously. A big part, I believe, is that in the circuit attorney's office with Kim Gardner, the inexperience, the inability, and maybe the uh, turning the blind eye to some of these different criminals have contributed to worse crime in the city of St. Louis. And I don't think that's, un I don't think there's a lack of correlation between what is going on in the circuit attorney's office and the lack of prosecution, not showing up, getting terrible results versus, uh, you know, oh, let's let's target the McCloskeys and Eric Greitens, but we're going to forget about, you know, people that are out there committing these day-to-day -day crimes on the street because it's more politically motivated, and her whole goal is to be more politically visible, and that hurts. Now, if you remember last year, I haven't seen an update to this this year, but they were analyzing the numbers of Kim Gardner while in office, and her prosecution rate is so much worse than all of the surrounding areas. Let me pull this up real quick. 20% um, fallen nearly 20% in the first couple of years that she was in office in the city of St. Louis. If you are looking to get a guilty plea or get a at least guilty verdict, Kim Gardner's office last check 51% of the cases. That's terrible. Considering in Kansas city, that number is 84 and a half percent and St. Charles County. That's 72%. Um, other places, that you see comparable sizes in the city's sizes, much higher. And if you want to look at the previous prosecutor, the circuit attorney's office, their goal was always between 80 and 85%, which they were able to get. Not here in the city of St. Louis, though. The, the problem is when we're sitting at 50%, that's no good. We have people that worked inside Kim Gardner's office, worked with her as she was a circuit attorney, and just talked about how just... What a mess it is behind the scenes. The cases they decide to take up based on political prosecution. And the Eric Wrighton's case is such a great example of that. And also we look at some of the other scandals that have surrounded Kim Gardner, none of which seem to actually get the attention that would be necessary to tell the full story on 60 Minutes. Instead, 60 Minutes comes in and says, St. Louis is so bad 
look at this superhero that's trying to clean it up. And they give this a totally wrong impression of what's going on here. It goes back to a lot of the coverage you saw during Ferguson, where the CNNs of the world like to come in and they'll set up their table and they'll say, look at all the burning buildings and look at this CNNs here for all your rioting needs. They show up, they give the wrong impression of what's going down. And then when the burning building's done and the sun comes up the next morning, they're out of here because they could care less about St. Louis. 60 minutes was kind of given that impression the let's just fly in and fly out and we'll do our little thing and we'll make Kim Gardner look great and we'll give this impression to the rest of the world anyone that watches this oh look at that St. Louis is turning the corner because they have Kim Gardner and in all reality you're sitting here looking at the headlines hundreds of kids shot record high homicide rates things aren't getting any better relations with the police aren't getting any better none of that why don't you talk to an average everyday person that has to suffer and deal with the problems that they face in St. Louis, as opposed to doing a puff piece on someone that's part of the problem. And let's, uh, I guess we can play some clips on this. If you actually watch the piece, if you watch the piece, I'd like to hear from you. And here's the phone number, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Do you believe they accurately depicted St. Louis? Do you believe they accurately depicted the job of the circuit attorney's office with Kim Gardner? Do you believe they were 100% showing exactly how things are? Or do you think that, I don't know, maybe they gave it a little bit of extra of a puff on the back end? I, I think they have. And it's sad because if you're trying to tell a fair story, you think that you would be able to talk. And at least uh, the people that are affected, they talked to Jeff Rorda. In fact, one of the clips they played in 60 Minutes was Jeff Rorda, who was interviewed for this, who's the police union. And then they played part of his uh, interview on our sister station, 97.1. I wanted to point this out. They bring up Jeff Rorda and they say, you know, here's his past. He had some issues in the past. Now he's the head of the police union. They didn't mention any of the issues with Kim Garner. I mean, they did. I mean, they completely glossed over all of these major, major problems with her. They didn't really talk much about the perjury case when it came to the Eric Reitens thing, things being politically motivated and going back and looking at what an utter failure that was and why was that brought up to begin with. They decided to kind of gloss over the fact that she was taken off the McCloskey case because she was fundraising in uh, as part of, uh, I'm prosecuting the McCloskeys, give me money. So a judge says, uh, no, uh, uh, we're not doing that. So now they have someone else taking over and looking at that case. They did bring up the fact that her lawsuit was dismissed, but they didn't really talk about the really the extent of the lawsuit where she said everyone is in a giant racist conspiracy against me, including Mayor Lida Krusen. All of y'all are out there conspiring against me. And they decided, at least on 60 Minutes, to point out that her lawsuit was dismissed, but they didn't really talk about the real merits of why it was dismissed because it was such an overblown, unrealistic, totally wrong basis for it. But then again, this is what's disappointing about it. You, you have to at least understand when it comes to media, national stories always, always seem to get it wrong when they have to cover something of a local complexity. Always forget about the national and go to the local sources if you can. It's always the rule of thumb because they always do this, always do this. 
So um, I do want to take some of your calls on this, and I have some clips from the 60-minute piece if you missed it, and some thoughts on that. 314-436-7900. Do you think it was fair? Maybe you think the 60-minute piece was fair. You tell me. We'll take some of your comments and calls coming up after the break on Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinals Open Live. Sponsored in part by T.R. Hughes Homes. I'm your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Looking at the 60-minute piece from Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner here in the city of St. Louis, getting a lot of reaction to that, and I have some clips that I could play for you and we can comment on them. But I think it's important to point out that so much has been done, at least in the time she's in office and things haven't been got, uh, aren't getting better. Things have not gotten better. And on top of that, a lot of it has to do with the way that she's handled herself in her cases. There's so much turnover. People that just do not want to work with her have been leaving. There are people that are just walking free because they're not showing up to their court cases. That is on the circuit attorney side. The cases they do bring up have a terrible prosecution rate when you're trying to get a guilty. uh, When you're at, what, hovering 50%, that's terrible. And what does that do? That all contributes back to the problems we're having where people who have committed crimes have opportunities to go back out and commit more, which they have been. And you also look at some of the other records that have been brought up. Um, Here's one that came out not that long ago. This is from uh, last year. And one of the other numbers when they were going back and looking at this. So it shows that the police department asked Gardner to issue more than 7,000 felony charges during the one uh, period of time, which would have been the year prior. And she only issued charges to 38% of them. And on top of that, if you couple it with the fact that she's only batting 500, only half of the time getting that. So you're saying that uh, half were found guilty. So of the 7,000, you can say roughly, you know, 19% of them. (laughs) Yikes, that's terrible. So that's just doing some rough math. And it's not looking good, but they don't actually show They don't actually show that as part of the 60-minute piece. They make it look like, oh, she's got the whole world against her, and the city of St. Louis is fighting her, and everyone's uh, terrible because they're not getting on board. But she's fighting the good fight. Well, no, she's actually doing a terrible job. I wish they would have just had someone go on and say that. Jeff Rorta, I don't think um, – they got to show just every average people. How about you talk to some of the parents who had their kids shot last year and this year too, victims of violence? And they're frustrated because the – person that uh, did it either is out there 
or were never prosecuted for it or got a light sentence. How about you talk to some of them and see if they got a different impression of what's going on? So let's take some of your calls. And Jean is holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, please. I'm calling in because why would uh, Kim Gardner have a pity party on national television uh, talking about her experience and what's happening to her in St. Louis? She must realize that she brings a lot of issues to herself. For uh, one thing is that her mouth is always in fifth gear, and her brain is always in neutral because she can't get it right. And <laughs> it really frustrates me. And another thing I resent, we love the policemen in the 5th and the 6th District. And I resent the fact that she always says she's trying to gain the trust of the people. She don't have to say that I can't do nothing. It's weak. We love the police citizens, and uh, we don't need her to tell that she's trying to gain trust. Step away from that. You don't even need to say that, Kim Gardner, that you're trying to gain the trust for the people. People already know the trust that they have for the policemen. And I've been living in St. Louis all my life, and I love the policemen in the city of St. Louis. I have nothing to say, anything but accolades. Many good things have happened with the policemen. I don't know if you remember this, Ryan. Once upon a time, they used to have what they call the police circles. Have you uh, heard of that? No, have not. Okay, you could do some research with the lever. Once upon a time, this was back in the 40s and the 50s, they used to have a police circus out at the arena. The mm-hmm. policemen, that was one of their fundraisers, one of the activities that they gave for the city of St. Louis. And people have to remember, as I recall, the policemen in the district, they always gave a Christmas party for, uh, the, you know, the children. That's mm-hmm. why I cannot say anything about them, because the policemen have always demonstrated great empathy and love for the community. Mm-hmm. The only reason that uh, something would happen is because you brought it on yourself. Mm-hmm. Respect. Okay. Remember, that's the key to success is respect. And I would like to, for Kim to hear this. Please stop saying you're trying to gain the trust of the people for the policemen. That is not true. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Gene. Thank you so much for your comments and all the experience that you've had. I'm glad that you called in tonight. And I think the reason that she's doing this is because a lot of what motivates her are these political motivations, the cases she decides to take on, the high-profile cases. I don't think it's uh, a big sort of uh, question of why she takes certain donations, the Soros donations. It's all politically motivated because you can look at the same type of donations that go into other areas. It's kind of a game plan that the party has been doing, and they try to get as far progressive as possible. And they take on these political ambitions. And what was one of the very first things she did unsuccessfully? Well, I guess uh, depends on how you look at it. She tries to prosecute Eric Reitens. And keep in mind, if you're someone that goes in front of a grand jury and you present that you have evidence, but don't show the evidence. And then the whole idea of getting this um, grand jury indictment is based on evidence that they said would be forthcoming. And then the evidence never gets there, never shows up. It was what a joke. And I don't know if anyone listening right now has any experience when it comes to 
law or the courts. But if you say, oh, we're going to provide something for you, you just can't see it, and then you never provide it, that is sloppy, <laughs> and that is totally an abuse of power. It goes to show you it was politically motivated. The motivation wasn't to uphold the law. The motivation for her was to try to get out a sitting governor, which she successfully did. Same thing with the McCloskeys. The motivation was political because she's out there fundraising, trying to get money from people. Hey, give me money because I'm going to nail these McCloskeys. And rightfully so, a judge took her off the case and said, conflict of interest. Rightfully so. So the high profile case you should bring on politically motivated doesn't surprise me that she would hop on TV. Why? If you're a politically motivated person, someone that is uh, putting in, into that office, you're known for that. It's definitely good for you to try to raise your image, maybe on a national standpoint. Who knows? Maybe you'll get more money coming in from it. Maybe this was another fundraising opportunity piece. But I can tell you that people that live in St. Louis are looking at this and saying, you know, what we'd really like for you to do is your job. We would like for you to get a conviction rate a little bit higher. We'd like you to stabilize your office as opposed to everyone jumping ship because they don't want to work with you. We'd like for you to show up. We'd like for you to do something about these violent felons and the criminals that are being brought to you as opposed to ignoring and letting them go. We'd like you to do something about it. Fix your office. That's what they want. You don't want someone that's out there politically motivated. Yeah, waste all your time with the McCloskeys. Give me a break. Let's go to uh, Arthur, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. How you doing, Ryan? I agree with you 100%. The McCloskey should never went to trial. The trespasser should have went. And uh, I saw that on 60 Minutes. She didn't tell the truth. She didn't tell the truth at all. You told the truth about everything, and I agree with you 100%. You just got to saying what, what I was going to tell you. You said it all sure. for me. You've seen it, though. You, you've seen it, too. Yes, I saw it. She, she, she didn't tell the truth. She what um, about and it's a long piece. I, I mean, she was there. It was a really long piece. It wasn't just a couple of minutes overview. They spent a lot of time, and I don't really think they spent enough time, or at least given the right points of the frustrations of the people that are looking at this from uh, right. from the city of St. Louis. She 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 mentioned she didn't mention too much about the polices. Didn't say nothing about them. She should have said what how they doing their job. She didn't discuss that either. She did mention she gets along with the police and the cops, and I thought, I don't think so. Uh, that might be a stretch, too, to to make it look like she's got a, a full support of the police department. If anything, I see her fighting the police department more than not. And it's got to be frustrating, too, looking at uh, the opportunity that you can get a confession from someone and they still won't take up the case. That's got to be frustrating if you're a police officer trying to do your job and not really getting support because they're called into some terrible situations. And as soon as a, a situation turns on them and they are uh, a target, it doesn't seem like they get any respect from the circuit attorney's office. In fact, they're probably looking at it. My friends still cops on the force, and they, they, they tell me everything like you saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, when they write the report up, she don't want to do nothing about it or prosecute the guys that are doing all this killing in the city. Right. It's terrible. All right, Arthur, thank you for calling in. Good to hear from you. And I also want to point out they decided to completely miss the point as part of this indictment and look at the Tisabee case with the perjury. They're still looking into and we're looking into some of the circumstances with this interview during the Greitens that happened uh, during the Greitens case, this interview that happened in Illinois. 
Now, they wanted to know, okay, why were they colluding with Democratic lawmakers in Missouri when it comes to a criminal case? If this wasn't a politically motivated type of situation, then why would they be trying to talk to and work with some of the Democratic lawmakers? That doesn't make sense. When wanting to hand out inf- or hand over information, she fought and fought and fought. Now, when she's now currently being investigated, and we have independent investigators um, looking into this, she wouldn't hand over files. Some files seem to have been destroyed or falsified. And remember, she wasn't even showing up to her own case. There was one time when it was uh, she was trying to make her case of why she doesn't have to hand over files. There was a had to go in front of a judge with the special prosecutor and she doesn't show up and over and over just asking for continuances after continuances, dragging her feet, taking it as far as she can. She is definitely impeding when there are some serious, serious crimes and allegations that are on the table here. Well, I mean, you're, we're talking about perjury from someone she hired. And you want to talk about taxpayer money during all of this? What about the instance where, as part of the Greitens deal, she brings in this Harvard law professor as an expert. He ends up getting paid $120,000 for two and a half months of service, and no one knows what he did. $120,000 a year taxpayer money for nothing. And all of this money being thrown out the window, too, because she wanted to get the, the taxpayers to pay for her lawyers for her lawsuit that she brought up that gets dismissed. Give me a break with all of this. Why doesn't that come up in the 60 Minutes interview piece? It really should. All right, we're going to take some more of your calls. It looks like we have a couple that might be off topic, but that's fine. We can do that after the break. 314-436-7900. It's Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Overnight America continues for a couple more minutes here, and then we have our news at 11 o'clock. And if you want to join us, you can. Got a couple of calls, like Terry, who's been holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Yes, sir. Uh, First of all, I wasn't able to see the 60-minute show. I hope you do play some segments. Uh, Second, uh, why do you think that there is no investigation going on about the woman that was killed on January 6th in the Capitol building? Mm. Do you think that the Biden administration Justice Department is closing down the investigation? You know, I haven't heard much about that, honestly. I think that a lot of the people that are becoming higher profile profile are the ones that stormed into the Capitol. So they're trying to at least charge them with the trespassing or whatever it is. But the other side of it, the woman that was shot there, it was caught on camera. You can see it. And there was someone also inside the Capitol that caught it. I haven't heard of any criminal investigation into that, honestly. That's a good question. Right. And you, you know that if it would have been BLM uh, protesters, they'd be in an uproar. Should she have been shot? Probably not. I don't know. I Because if you look at it, I, I can't remember exactly. So was she shot by an officer or a security from an, the other side of a door? Is that how it was? I can't remember exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, even even if she should have been shot or shouldn't have been shot, there should be an investigation going on. Right. And that, by the way, uh, if you're on the other side of a barricade and the person doesn't have a weapon, I don't remember her having one. Uh, that's not a good look. And you're right. There should be an investigation. There, there might be. I just haven't heard it. But uh, I'm br- glad you brought that up, Terry. Thank you very much for calling in. Uh, let's go to John. Welcome to Overnight America. 
Hello, I don't think I'll have enough time if you're going to the news. I've got two big eye-popping components of uh, what I'd like to say, and I think I okay. need more than if I can well, go we have on a, after the news. Sure, we have a couple of minutes here, so if you, if you could try to summarize it in like two minutes, can you do that? No, but I'll give you a couple of sources uh, that I'd like to elaborate on after the news. It's, uh, one is uh, an article called uh, The uh, Gladio Crimes of the U.S. Empire, G-L-A-D-I-O, Crimes of the U.S. Empire. And it has some really eye-popping uh, uh, links. And one of the most important uh, uh, crimes or shocking uh, things about uh, fascist-related uh, movements in the United States, referring back to your uh, earlier uh, guest, mm-hmm. is called uh, the uh, plot, the big business, the U.S. big business plot to overthrow FDR and ally the United States with Hitler and Mussolini. Your guest mm-hmm. mentioned that there was a, a movement of fascism that grew out of uh, an overlap with the uh, uh, Ku Klux Klan and uh, mm-hmm. uh, other uh, movements. This was not just, uh, you know, the uh, backwoods types that are stereotypically uh, uh, looked at as uh, members of the Ku Klux Klan. This was the highest levels of the banking and industrial billionaire uh, power structure of the United States. That same uh, rabid anti-communist ideology of Hitler and Mussolini. And they applied uh, to uh, perform an attempt to uh, overthrow uh, Roosevelt, based mm. on their anti-communism and the red baiting of him, uh, by the way. Yeah. So, just a quick uh, heads up. So, if some of the comments that John are bringing up refers to our guest from the last hour, Linda Gordon wrote a book called The Second Coming of the KKK. It's based on the rise of the KKK in the 1920s. So you have the 1800s where you normally primarily think of the movie like Birth of a Nation. In the 1920s, it was a little bit different. It was a different type of movement. And then you saw it continue on in different iterations. And she mentioned that her next book will be looking at the 1930s of Americans that were buying into fascism. And that was that that's what she's working on now as a historian. So that just to catch anyone up that might have missed that interview last hour. So okay. So your your comment though, John, if you could wrap up your thoughts. Well, if people would check that uh, article, uh, the uh uh colonial crimes of the US Empire and also the US big business plot to overthrow uh overthrow FDR and ally the United States with Hitler and Mussolini based on uh, their shared ide- anti- rabid anti-communist ideology. If they would look up mm. those, that book and another one, The Plot to uh, Seize the White House by Jules Archer, uh, a okay. prize winner. Who, uh, and that goes back, you said, to the 30s? It goes back to the 30s, and also another one is uh, War is a Racket by uh, General Smedley Butler. He was going to lead this coup according to these big... Prop, uh, big power structures in wow. the banking and industrial, and he informed on it, and there was little attention in the media, which was really based on, okay. which is really sympathetic to Hitler and Mussolini, but it, it did uh, go into yeah. the Dyes Committee on record. Okay. Well, good. Well, thank you for that. A um, couple of tips on those. I'm going to have to bring that author back when she writes her second book, because I'm, I'm a big fan of some of these different historical takes on it. Uh, real quick, let's go to Elvis, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Uh, Mr. Recker, how are you tonight? Good. Did you tell producer Mike that you reached out to try to get an autograph of Kim Gardner? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, I'm not. Well, how can I say it? If I was to get some sort of uh, cessationary or whatever from her, and, and I, I mean no disrespect when I say this, she's the first female African American to hold that position. And why I, why I did that is like I was telling him when Mayor Daly, the last Mayor Daly was state's attorney at Cook County. My dad wrote him, it had to have been in the late 70s, and I have Mayor Daly as state's attorney of Cook County when uh, he didn't run for mayor, I don't think, till 89. And, and that's the only reason. I mean, I, I don't really follow her politics or whatever. I don't really know right, much about her. It's part of the collection. Yeah, you look at that as something of historical value. That's interesting. You may be the only person to have done that. So uh, as of right now, you haven't received anything back? I think I've wrote her two or three times in the past okay. winter, Nothing yet. So. I see. All right. Well, Elvis, I'm glad you shared that. Let me know. Give me an update on that. All right. This is Overnight America KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 